So this morning, I want to talk to you about Jesus who spoke with authority. Jesus speaks with authority. And as you know, we continue and study through the book of Mark verse by verse. And we come to the next passage, which is going to talk about Jesus and how we speak. And we're going to see how people react when Jesus opens up his mouth and he speaks. Why do we want to do this? Because we want to see that when we speak, how we ought to speak. But never forget, Mark is showing us who Jesus is. And this is going to teach us today, he's a man who speaks with authority. Where is this authority coming from? How is it applied? Not only who Jesus is, but why he came. Why did Jesus come to this earth? In the Gospel of Mark, he focuses on Jesus as the servant. As the one who came to serve. Not to be served, but to serve others. And I want you to constantly think about this. Because every single account that Mark writes for you and for me is explaining to you who Jesus is. Today he's going to touch on his authority. So I thought I'd start with a definition for authority. What is the definition for authority? This is only one definition that you find for authority. It is the confident quality of someone who knows a lot about something or who is respected or obeyed by other people. I thought that's a good definition, isn't it? It is the confident quality. Somebody who has authority always has got some kind of confidence behind them. We're going to unpack that today. It is a confident quality of someone who knows a lot about something. That for me is the key in that definition. Who knows a lot about something. Now just from the start I want to say to you, if you want to talk about Jesus Christ to others, and you want to talk with authority to them about Jesus, then what do you need to do? If you apply the, ver the, the definition. You need to know him, isn't it? You can't tell somebody with authority about something you don't know. I mean, Michael is a classic example. Michael, you work with, with things for, uh, you know, fibrosis and the things that you do, but you know your, your subject matter. And if you talk about it, you talk with more authority than me, who just read a line or two here and there. And, and so people operate today. Christians operate like that. They want to speak with authority, but they only know one or two verses or one sermon that happened. No, no, if you want to speak with authority, you know what you're talking about. And you are confident in what you're talking about. And as I'm going to read the scripture verse to you this morning, I want you to apply the definition and to see if this is what Jesus showed the people and what is the reaction that came from that. So let's look at Mark chapter 1 verse 21. It says, Then they went out into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, and you see this, Mark's words again, immediately, he's a man of action. Immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. They were astonished. This was a custom for them. In the synagogues, they would have what you call a freedom of the synagogue. And the freedom of the synagogue meant that a teacher could come into the synagogue, everybody would stand, 
and then the teacher would take a book, they will hand him a book, and he will sit, and once he sits, everybody sits down, and then he's got the seat of authority. And once he sits and he opens up his mouth, everybody is quiet and listen to what the teacher says. That was the custom of the day in the synagogue. It was called the freedom of the synagogue. Now Jesus on this particular day walked into the synagogue and he started teaching. Everybody sit down, he's got the authority now to speak. He's, he's measured here up against the scribes, and we'll come to that in a minute. But the same thing would happen if a scribe walks in there, everybody sits down. When he sits down, he's in the seat of authority, opens up his mouth, and he starts speaking. And when he speaks, nobody interacts. He speaks until he's finished. We see the same thing happened in Luke chapter 4. If you open up in your Bibles and you're going to read in Luke chapter 4, you will see that he entered into the synagogue and the Bible says in Luke they gave him the book. They gave him the book of Isaiah. And what did he do? He took the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. That's what they read. They didn't have the New Testament like we have. So when they opened up and wanted to read some teachings in the Old Testament, or at that particular time, they gave him the Torah, or they gave him the books of the prophets. In Luke chapter 4, they gave him Isaiah, which is fascinating if you study the Word of God. Because he, he opened up, in it and, and look, back then it wasn't Isaiah chapter 61, it was just a scroll, it was a book. So he meticulously went through the book of Isaiah to when he came to the passage which in our Bible now says Isaiah chapter 61. And what did he read to them? He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He chose that that day to speak to them. You see, it was the freedom of the synagogue. So this was the custom that we read about here that Mark talks about. And it's fascinating. Another great thing that I just want to highlight to you before we dig and go right into the Word where did John the Baptist preach? He, he taught in the wilderness. Where is Jesus teaching now? In the synagogue. And I made a point last week, which I know if some people will hear it, will take me on about that, but I'll stand on the word of God. It wasn't as if Jesus came, because if you think about John the Baptist, once he said, there is the Lamb of God, and he baptized Jesus, he lost his ministry. Didn't he? He lost his ministry. There were thousands who came to him. But he was never a man for the thousands and for the crowds. He, he just had the message to preach. The Messiah is coming. And once he connected the people to the Messiah, his ministry was over. It's not as if Jesus came and said, Wow, look at this great reaction in the wilderness. This is the next big thing for, for evangelism. We all need to go out into the wilderness and try to prop up and keep up the ministry of John the Baptist. Is he trying to do that? No. Where is he going? Straight to the synagogues. Straight to the synagogue. And this is the point I want to make. Never sit there and think, you know, Pastor John, I want to follow in your footsteps and let's keep this ministry going. This church won't last forever. I've, I've been privileged to pioneer three churches, three of them. Where are they today? The church is not the ministry. 
the ministry the Lord placed in your heart, and this is why he said so many times, that when you are saved by the blood of the Lamb, and when you sit under the teaching every single Sunday, there is a responsibility upon your shoulders now to take and carry that word, word into your influence group. You will reach people that I will never in my life preach to. You will reach people that I will never in my life speak to. This is how great this is. And here is the big thing. Here is the big thing. If you come here and you say, Pastor, preach to me the word of God, I'm going to preach to you the gospel, the good news. But once I've declared to you, behold the Lamb of God, and you go to the cross and you bow to the Lamb of God, my work over you is done. I can't control you. I will never control you. I will never keep you and make you my disciple. You are not my disciple. You are His. You belong to Him. And shame on every single man upon the face of the earth to try to make followers for themselves. They all belong to the Master. I belong to Him as much as you belong to Him. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Hey, it's a good teaching in itself, isn't it? But you know, this is all about authority. If somebody steps into a seat of authority, there's something strange that happens with the heads. It becomes like helium. They grow bigger. Have you, you know that thing, you know? You get one person who follows you, you go, whoa, I'm important. And then another person comes, poop. And then another one invites another. You've got to come and listen to this dude. Boop. And soon enough, you can't walk in the, in, in the door. You, it will go like this. Your feet and your body will go and your head has to just flow in. And this is the unfortunate thing about authority. You see, Jesus, and, and we had that scripture last week. After John, Jesus came. And John was out of the way. This is so important. So we see the custom here in Mark chapter 1 verse 21 where he went into the synagogue and he started talking to them there. And then we find this. As soon as Jesus starts teaching them, that's the word didaco, by the way. It's not heralding. So he's now teaching them. As soon as he starts teaching them, they were astonished at his teaching. The word here, the first reaction from these people is astonishment. It comes from the Greek word ekleplesso. And it means it's a condition of one who is stunned. Have you ever been like that in your life? Somebody brought some news to you and you're absolutely stunned. It is, it is this word of jaw dropping. You know that word? Huh? It really hit them like a, a hammer on the forehead. Boom. We, we never saw this before. It is like numbness that come over your body. A loss of sensation sometimes. That is what happens when somebody is absolutely astonished. This is what happened to those people. Imagine it. Wow. You know, sitting there and somebody opens up their mouth and you can't stop listening to it. And hours just go like that, and you go, he's been speaking for three hours, and it feels like 15 minutes. Have you been there? Stunned. To the point of jaw dropping. This is what it is. When he started teaching them. 
And, and what stunned them? What was it? Is it him? Is it how he looked? Is it how he, he was clothing? Is it because he had a jacket or no? What stunned him was his teaching. It says it right there. At his teaching. Now this is his doctrine. Doctrine is a code of belief. That's the explanation of the word. They were absolutely stunned at this. And what was he teaching them? I want you to follow carefully because I sit and I read this and I go, wow. I want to know more. I want to know why did people react like this? Why is it that the scribes could come in there and they teach every Sunday, Sabbath, and a new teacher will come in there and they have a little bit of that, and it just goes on. And this is the amazing thing, brother and sister, that when Christ comes, He cuts right through. Michael, what is that word that you taught me of cutting right through? What is that word again? The, 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 the knot? I, I forgot that word. My, the? The guardian's knot. I go afterwards and ask Michael about the guardian's knot. It, it means you cut right clean through, isn't it, uh, Michael? Something like that. And this is the thing, you know, sit there and every Sunday or every Sabbath somebody comes, but, but it's this one day when the authority of God comes and he cuts like a, a warm knife through butter. This is what happened. And they were jaw-dropping. What was his teaching? We find a little bit of his teaching in Mark 1 verse 15, he preached this and then he backed it up with teaching. In Mark 1 15, he was saying the time is fulfilled. You remember that sermon a few weeks ago? What does it mean? What does it mean? It is the word kairos. It's not chronological time. It is now the beneficial time that is fulfilled. It is an advantage time that is fulfilled. That is what he taught them in the synagogue. I'm going to show this to you. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So he was going in the synagogue, and that is the message he gave them. The time is fulfilled. But he spoke it with authority. It wasn't something that he heard from somebody else. This to them was radical teaching. This kind of teaching here. You see, because all of their prophets and their scribes would tell them about the Messiah who is to come. Now Jesus walks in and he says the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent! Repent! Not repent to follow the law, but repent to follow Christ. This is radical for them. Jaw-dropping. You see, the teachers before this would come into the synagogue and they will quote other teachers and rabbis. They will quote them. They will read a passage and they will say, Rabbi so-and-so in the first century said this. And Rabbi so-and-so is this the explanation. And the Torah, Rabbi so-and-so, this is what they do. And let me say to you, there's a lot of preachers today who quote other preachers, but they quote, don't quote the Bible. Are you hear it so many times? We had a man back in New Zealand who started following our church. He started coming to church. And every time afterwards I talked to him, he was big into, uh, into these faith preachers. He would say, so-and-so said this. And this lady said that. And, and that guy just this week said this. And I asked him one day, I said to him, that's all good what they said. But what did Jesus say? You tell me what they said, and you, oh, it sounds so clever what they said, but what did Jesus say? Quote to me the Bible. When you open up your mouth, tell me what Jesus said. It is written. You don't have to say the chapter in the verse. 
Just tell me what Jesus said. When you read the Bible this week and you sat there and the Holy Spirit came and there's a passage that really grabbed your heart. <coughs> I've got to monitor this voice, but I'm getting excited. You, you, you just, you know, you read the Bible and, and there's something happening in your life right at that point in time. And as you read the Bible, it is as if that passage there is written for you for now in the circumstance. Have you been there before? I've been there all my life. You're going through a difficult time in your life and it feels as if the sky is falling in. It feels as if the pressure is pushing on you. You feel the pressure pushing on you. You read your Bible and then all of a sudden it goes, this is speaking to me. I need more of this for now for me. And then you come to church and you say, uh, can, I, can I testify? I don't have to ask you. You come in here and you go, can I testify today? And you stand in front of the people and you say, this week the Lord spoke to me. He spoke to me, and we go, wow, how did he speak to you? This was happening in my life. And then I read this passage, and you know what? This is what happened. It happened to me. I read the Bible so many times, and, and there was one time in my life, we were still in New Zealand, I woke up. I woke up with a scripture verse. A soft answer will turn away the wrath. That's the verse that I woke up with. I didn't know what it was for. I woke up that morning and that's the scripture verse. And I go, am I dreaming here? Am I dreaming? No, I'm awake. So I went to the Bible and find it in Proverbs. A soft answer turns away the rough. I didn't know what it was for. Started praying and said, Lord, why is the scripture verse coming to me? Woe and behold that day at my work. I came into a storm. But you see, the Lord already prepared me. I walked in there and this first thing that came to me, I said, oh, now I see, Lord. Just be calm. A soft answer turns away the wrong. So when I come and testify to you, did God speak to me? Yes, He did. He directed my footsteps. So this is the thing. It was radical for these people to hear from Him teaching and preaching this. And to them now, it was, it was they were astonished at His teaching. But let me just unpack it for you a little bit more. Because he qualifies this now. He said they were astonished, their jaws dropped at his teaching, his doctrine. He brought to them something. He said to them, the time is fulfilled. Repent, the gospel, the good news is here. And then he goes on to say, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. He was teaching as though he had authority. They could see it, you know, it was like daylight. They could see it straight away. You see, let me tell you something about authority. When we think about authority, it uses the word exosia, the Greek word. And if you think about a king, a king has inherent authority. You are born as a prince in the kingdom. Your dad is the king. What do you get? You inherit that authority from your dad. And the king operates in inherited authority. He was born into that royal line. If you think about a president, a president of a company, what happens to a president of a company? He's got delegated authority. He operates in delegated authority because it is the board of directors who gives him the authority to do what he wants to do. We all have got somebody who's got authority over us. It's delegated authority. 
If you think about a professor in a university, he has achieved authority. Where did he get this from? He's from years of studying his work. He's got, he achieved that authority. When you walk into a professor's classroom, as I did when I studied uh, uh, to become a teacher, he starts speaking with authority, and he's got years that he studied his subject matter, and he talks to me about that. That gives him the authority. And now if we think about the scribes which Jesus is compared to, scribes was a lawyer back in their days. The scribes knew the scriptures. The scribes would go to the scriptures and make out if a case came to them and say, the word says this is where we will make our decision. It is like our lawyers today. Now, where do they get the authority from? It's quite clear. They get it from applied authority. What does that mean? From the law that they practice. That's what they get it from, the lawyers today. They can't just come up there and say, this is what I'm going to say. No, they need to abide by the law. The law is written, and the law gives them authority to make a judgment. Can you see all these authorities? Now, every single one of these authorities comes from external sources. Every one of them. Look at it. The king... He inherited this, this authority. It is his external. It didn't come from him. The president, he's got the authority from the board of directors. It's delegated to them. It doesn't come from him. The professor, he achieved it. He learned from it from books and stuff. It doesn't come from him and even the scribe. And here comes Jesus Christ. And this is why the people were so astonished about him. Because he came and he taught us one having authority and he is the source of authority. That is the difference. He didn't come and tell them about what others said. He says later in the book of John, he says, Father, whatever you told me, I gave them. There is a difference there. It's good for us to know this. You say, what has that got to do with my everyday life? Let me tell you this, when Jesus Christ speaks a word into your life, it is a word of authority. You can take that word. I gave you examples in my life. He still speaks today through his word. If he gives you a scripture verse, something happens in your life and you go to him and you say, Lord, this thing is happening in my life, and you start reading and the scripture verses that you've read and everything... This is the source. It comes from Him. For us, it's still external until He comes and lives inside of us. And now what does He do? From the inside, He changes us into the image of His Son. Is this, is, is, is this good? This is the authority that He spoke to them with. And Jesus, when He taught them with this authority, He had real authority. It wasn't authority that he was given he was the source of authority he knew what he was talking about it was not hearsay he says it again and i'm repeating that verse in, in john he says what the father taught me i tell you what the father show me i show you but wait a minute isn't he god isn't he jesus isn't he god now he didn't walk as a god on the earth but he had that authority he was man just like us he believed what he was teaching. He was standing there and not telling them something which he didn't believe. And this is one of the big things that when you want to have authorities, you need to know what you're talking about. 
You know, I sit sometimes and I listen to people doing presentations and you can quickly pick up when somebody knows about what they're talking or not. I think you, you find the same, Jared, in your life. If I come into your world and you work with your machinery and I come in there and I've only done a study for a week in this and I stand up in, in a full crowd of 400 people and you sit there and I start waffling on about this stuff, you're going to go, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't have the experience. He didn't touch the machines. He didn't fix them when it was broken. He didn't read the owner's manual. He came in here just on a five minute, five to twelve, and he tried to tell me what is going on. Does that carry authority and believability? No, he doesn't. Here comes Jesus Christ. He walks in, and for all of these years, the scribes was waffling on about it, and he walks in, and what happens? He's a man who speaks with authority, and that got them. And I hope it gets you. I hope it gets you. Because, brother and sister, I preach with delegated authority. That's what I'm preaching with. Delegated. He delegated his authority to me to preach his word to you. The real authority and power lies in his word. Amen? So, that was the reaction of the people. Now we see a second reaction. The reaction from demons when they come in touch with this authority. Look at this now. Mark chapter 1 verse 23. <coughs> he says... Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, let us alone. Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Here is a reaction. What happened to the people? Huh? Astonished. Authority. They didn't. And here comes a man who sits there every... This, this catches me. This is amazing to me. This man, I don't know, he maybe for his whole life went to the synagogue and just sat there. He wasn't exposed. Part of the congregation, he just sat there. Why did he sit there? I don't know. But when Jesus opened up his mouth and he speaks with authority and he says, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent! That stirred something up in this man. All of a sudden he jumps up and he says, let us alone. Do you think that would have been a shock? Here is Jesus speaking with authority in the synagogue and everybody's astonished and focusing on him and all of a sudden this guy jumps up and he goes, let us alone. That's the reaction of this unclean spirit within this man. He says, we have, what have we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? And it's really interesting because that spirit within the man, and let me just say, this is, I, I will do a teaching around demons, okay? This is not a teaching around demons. I just want to talk about the authority that Jesus has. He's got the authority to destroy them. This is why this man, or the spirit, the unclean spirit within the man reacted. Again, I come back. Why did Mark write the gospel to tell you who Jesus is and why he came? Who is he? He is one who's got authority even over the unclean spirits. He's got that authority, and this is an example of that. We need to learn from this. You get ministries out there, they want to, going to take on the devil. You know, we're going to pray and we're going to bind every single demon, and, you know, there's a territory demon, and then we're going to take on Satan. I don't go there. It's not my work. 
I'm here to preach the gospel. He says, go and make disciples, not take on the devil. But you know what's going to happen. When I preach the word of God, I stand with delegated authority, preaching in the authority of God, and every evil spirit will know that, and they will quiver. They will shake. Because of me? Because I use the name Jesus? No. It's because of the authority in the name of Jesus and in the word of Jesus. This is what happens. When John the Baptist came, he says, I come as a forerunner of the Messiah. He says, the one who makes straight the paths. If your path is riddled with sin and it goes like that, the word of God will cut it. If there's an unclean spirit, the word of God will deal with that. I don't have to go out and build a ministry now to take on demons. You're wasting your time. What happened in this particular case? He opened up, he starts teaching, and what happens? Let us alone! Nobody identified this man before. I don't know. He could have been one of the, you know, one of the most nicest men in the synagogue. He could have been an elder. I don't know. But all of a sudden, he responded. Now look at what he says. This man, man came to the synagogue for a long time. He had so many teachings over him. And look, let me tell you today, there's so many teachings. People just want to teach. But the word of God needs to be penetrating penetrating. If I preach here and, and, and you don't get convicted by the Spirit of God, by the teaching and the preaching that I do, I'm wasting your and my time. The Word of God needs to be preached in spirit and in truth. There's going to be many times, and maybe it happened over the times that you listened to me, that I preach something that's going to make you so angry, so angry. I just ask you nicely, I'm only the messenger, don't shoot the messenger. You've got a problem with God. If you sit there and you feel, you know, I just want to walk up there and shut your mouth. Please don't do that, but, you know, but know this. Something in you is stirred up by the authority of God. Now you can do one of two things. You can run or you can address that. And here we find this man. He was sitting there for a long time. And he's here to oppose Jesus and the others. He's just sitting there like a, a secret agent. And what is he trying to do? He says, you Jesus of Nazareth. That stood out to me when I read that. Because a few weeks ago, what do we know about Nazareth? Nothing good comes from Nazareth. Isn't that right? He's from Nazareth. Oh, come on. That's the first thing that the evil spirit wants to do is try to diminish him. Try to destroy his character. And this is one thing that I've learned. Look, I'll tell you, I've got a, a, you know, experience of people and I've, you know, these kind of spirits. As soon as you identify a spirit and you speak with the word of God, authority in it, it's going to try to destroy you. Here he tries it. Jesus of Nazareth. What good can come from Nazareth? But in the same breath, he says the following words. He says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Was he right? Was he right when he said that? Yes, he was right. But here is the key that you need to understand. It was not the right time for Jesus to be exposed like that. It was not the right time. Jesus said it himself. He said, be quiet, for it's not the right time. This is at the beginning of his ministry. He first had to teach the disciples. He wasn't, it wasn't the right time to expose him as what? As Jesus the Messiah. Because his own people want to kill him. That's why he shut him up. He shut him up. 
He rebuked him. He said, be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed, and let me just say, just see, see with what authority he says. He says, come out of him. Didn't start pushing the man down and now we're going to do all. No, no. Speak a word in authority. So we see the reaction of the demons. <clears throat> Let's continue the narrative now. In Mark 1 verse 27, <coughs> then they were all amazed again. Again, they were amazed at his teaching and then they saw how he deals with this demon spirit so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirit and they obey him. And immediately, there's our man Mark again, his fame spread throughout all the region and around Galilee. His fame spread, people were talking about it. The other amazing thing is that you will always see. People ask me, they say, but why don't we see signs and wonders, yeah? You remember signs and wonders? You know, Paul at one stage, even as he walked through, his shadow fell on, on people that were sick and they were healed. They, they had some of the handkerchief of them. They take the handkerchief and put it on people and they were healed. And people ask me often, why? Why doesn't it happen? And I say, you know, if God wants it to happen, it will happen. But I'm not God. I'm not going to push on for it. But here we see whenever the word of God was preached, it was followed by signs and wonders. Why was it like that then? It's because the word of God was established. And these people just wanted to see that to believe. The Bible instructs you and me today, we don't follow Christ to see what we believe. No, no, no. We follow Him. And we believe Him without seeing. So then, uh, verse 29, he says, Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, <coughs> they entered the house of Simon and Andrew, with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother, his mother-in-law, she lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her. And she served him. This is a miracle. And let me tell you something about a miracle. What is a miracle? What did Jesus do? I mean, she could have taken medicine. And there's a whole thing that you can go and read how they dealt with this kind of thing. Fever was a common thing amongst the Jews. And there was practices that they did to get rid of the fever. But it takes time, isn't it? If somebody's feverish, you might say in maybe three days, the fever would have been broken. So they were going to get healed. Some people in those days died from fever. We know that. Because they didn't have the medicine of today. But what the miracle is here is time was taken out of it. When Jesus took her by the hand, he lifted her up, she was healed. That's a miracle. He took time out of it. This is what we pray for him. If we pray for somebody that's sick, what do we say? Lord, touch this body with your miracle power. And if that person stands up right away, that's a miracle. And this is what happened here. He took her immediately and it left her and, and she served him. And look, I can preach the old sermon around this part here, the serve part. But let's continue We're to the last verse. If somebody can call my beautiful wife, where I'm nearly finished. Now Mark chapter 1 verse 32 he says, at evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. Isn't that interesting? Now there's a need. And they come to Jesus to heal people, to touch them. 
But what they miss is the biggest of all, is the healing of the soul. And now we will find a lot of people who will grab these passages and say, we need to start a healing ministry. And we need to put a, a banner up and say, Friday evening is going to be a healing service. And Jesus, we're going to wait for you to turn up. He doesn't work in that way. It doesn't work in that way. But here, for the time, it was necessary for it to work like that. They brought all those who were sick and demon-possessed. And, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. Think of this. In Capernaum, the whole city, his name went out to everybody. But what did they come to see? What did they come to see? The miracles. They wanted to see people healed. They were astonished at the preaching, but they want to come and see this now. The news that he was sitting in the synagogue and while he was preaching, one man jumped up and an unclean spirit. That news spread like wildfire. And now the people are standing at the door. Some were needy. They brought their sick to them, but the whole city is there. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast many demons. And he didn't, did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. That's important. I make my point again. When we come back to this passage and he says, you are the Holy One of God. Here is what he said. He did not allow them to speak because they knew him. And he did not at that point in time want that to be out. It wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right time for everybody to know that he's the only one. It had to come the way it had via the cross. You see what Jesus could have done here. The whole city was at his door. He could have walked out like a rebel and go, let's build an army. Let's take on the Romans and let's overthrow all of these uh, Pharisees and, and scribes. He had the authority. But that's not why he came. He didn't come to build himself a, a massive kingdom or an empire or a mega church. He didn't do that. He came to serve. And this is what Mark is telling us. So this morning, I leave you with these words. Read your Bible. Study it. If you've got a problem in your life, if you're going through difficulties, take it to Jesus. Sit in front of Him. Spend time with Him. Read your Bible. And He will speak to you. He will come to you. And then when He speaks to you and speaks a word, it is a word of authority. R listen, everything around us is delegated authority. But He's the source of authority. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the word. We thank you, Lord, that when we stand under you, we stand under your authority, the source of authority. We thank you that we've learned this morning. And Father, apply that word into our lives this week as we walk, as we go our ways, to really know that you're a sovereign God. Nothing happens to us if it doesn't carry your approval. Your authority sits over the approval. I worship you, Lord, and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise.